0: coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper,
1: Monarch Legacy of Monsters, episode three, Secrets and Lies is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Adam H. I have many secrets and I tell many lies, but are they the same? Are they different? Is there a moral quandary to be had here? Or are we just trying to justify keeping secrets from people because we don't want to share things and we're just lying to them? I don't know, we'll find out. There's a lot There's a lot going on. Um. Thank goodness. I'm not alone here. Uh, I have called in some reinforcements. We are on the plane together. Hopefully he's a better pilot than I am. Todd, Todd librarian. How are you?
3: Uh, I'm sorry. That's a secret. Oh
1: no. Well, or is it a lie?
3: <laughs> well I haven't told you anything so that would really be the more the lie aspect I think.
1: You know lying by omission is definitely uh a thing, you know, uh, uh, you know not saying something here. I I will say the premise of this like oh is it a secret or is it a lie? Um Maybe this is not the thing that worked the best for me, this episode of like, if we just don't tell them, then it's not a, then we're not lying. And it's like, okay, well, we, we know what's going on here. We're trying to, trying to skirt some, some, you know, gray area here. And, you know, I guess it works. I guess it's, I guess it's ultimately successful with what we know about Monarch going forward. So good for them, I guess.
3: I mean, I guess. uh, I guess, yeah. (laughs) I think it's successful until it's not. I think, I think the problem Because we see, like one thing that Lee says in this episode is like, "Monarch of today is not the monarch that he helped, you know, build up." So I think probably the idea of keeping things secret probably became more important than anything else, because that seems to be like Monarch's big thing now is they don't want people to know they're trying to keep things hidden from the general public. Whereas before it was like trying to secrets were a way to keep the government from coming in and messing everything up. But now the government using the secrets to, you know, mess people up. So I think the, the whole idea of secrets has shifted over the course of time. It's like they kept the keep the secret a uh, mantra, but are applying it in probably different ways with different motivations.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And I, you know, I don't know how far we're going to go with this, with the uh, you know, origin of monarch specifically as we kind of like dive into this past storyline. Um, but it is interesting kind of seeing the seeing the formation and how we're getting funding and, and Lee being all cheeky and like, oh, they rejected our proposal, and then that we didn't ask for enough like oh you 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 little cheeky guy like okay we're we're you know we're gonna get some more we're gonna get more funding we're gonna get you know more official stuff we're gonna get these outposts that we ultimately do see later on um but there's some interesting stuff going on here uh and we're gonna break it down uh today here for this episode three secrets and lies of um monarch but before we do that um if you're not subscribed or if you've not uh, followed the podcast please join us we are gonna be breaking down every episode we had to wait a week. For this one, and we're going to have to wait a week for another one, but we're still going to be in your feeds every single episode. So please uh like and subscribe, Uh post your recaps. And if you want to become a patron, join in on the conversation with us about Monarch. Tell us your favorite Muto. Tell us your favorite Titan. Tell us your favorite character. Are you liking the past more? Are you liking the present more? What are you enjoying? Come find out. Come tell us. Come share all of your thoughts and feelings and emotions with us over patreon.com slash post recaps. We would love to hear from you. Todd. My question to you, the same as it was last time. We have some stuff in the present. We have some stuff in the past. Where would you like to start?
3: Let's start in the present this time.
1: We're starting in the present this time. Okay. Now I'm curious. Are you? Is it because you're liking the present more now than what you were potentially last time? Is it because the present is popping off the screen because Kurt Russell is incredible and and that's why we're doing the present? Or are you just wanted to like
3: uh, you know eat the vegetables first and get it out of the way? Uh, no, it's more that I feel like there's some things that the way that things uh, roll out, I think there's something that are referenced in the present that will have more resonance when we talk about the past and we've already gotten to it in the present. So I feel like structurally uh, that makes more sense this time around. I will okay, so say a I...
1: logical narrative answer and not the. Yeah. Uh...
3: <laughs> Yeah, okay, see, fair
1: enough. Fair enough. Yeah, the,
3: the English major in me, looking at like uh, narrative structure, uh, is kind of where I'm going with that. But I will say that I am enjoying the, the present uh, quite a bit. I, I would say I think I enjoy the characters in general of the past more than most of the characters in the present. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lee is a constant between the two, and so he's like a, a bright, shiny star in the present. But I think I enjoy seeing like the trio in the past more than I enjoy like the trio. In the present, who are now hooked up with Lee, uh, so that kind of uh, colors a little bit of my thoughts on the present. But now that we have Lee in the mix, and I definitely really enjoyed this episode.
1: Yeah, the the president is so much fun, and so we we do have this So we left off last time. We went to this sort of uh, senior facility where uh, Lee, played by Kurt Russell, has been you know camped out there. This is a Monarch facility, and we're breaking out. It's prison break time, except it's a very cushy prison. That I, uh, again, like I said before, I wouldn't mind being in a place like this. Uh, even if they're watching me, that's fine. Um, whatever. Um, and so they're escaping in this in this uh this rental van that they that they had gotten to to get there in the first place. Lee is the one that's driving, and Todd. I did like this kind of initial moment where he's like trying to get in. He's like, "Wait, where's the where? How do I start this thing?" And and everyone's just like, "Oh my god, when's the last time you've driven a car?" Push the button, <laughs> Todd. I will just say it took me a while to adjust to the push a button to start the car. Um, all of the cars that I had before the one that I current. Well, I say all the cars. Like it wasn't just like one, but um, whatever. I I did not start with a push button car, and it took me a little while to get there. So I don't I don't really blame lee for this but it was a very funny moment of just like when's the last time you drove a car
3: (laughs) yeah i mean i mean whenever we went on our road trip together not too long ago i had to ask you so how do i start this because my car still (laughs) has the key in the ignition and i've been in a couple of cars that have like the push button thing but i haven't had to drive one before this trip and so i was like okay how exactly does this work so yeah i definitely was feeling the the old shaming (laughs) that (laughs) lee was feeling in this moment
1: yeah i mean it was very funny i I, you know truly can't blame anyone for not uh not doing one of those it's it's still not even on every car i don't think so and and i don't even mind having a key but anyway uh this was very fun they're getting out of there they have to you know uh, escape and and you know the guards of sorts are kind of you know trying to stop them they have um i forget what it's called when they have like the big metal spikes that come out of the road or whatever those blockers are um at at one of the exits and then they're able to just go out another one Relatively, though, Todd, this was a very easy prison break because they encountered basically the one obstacle of these like metal pulls and they just like backed up and went out the other exit. This was a very, very easy get out of jail free situation.
3: Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty low security prison for sure. And it's not a prison prison it's not like okay yeah you're going to live here we're going to keep an eye on you but I think most people who live there are probably old enough that they have just kind of accepted their fate and I think that's where Lee was up until this point so I feel like Monarch hasn't really had to worry about having security beefed up that much but I agree it's kind of odd to have like the one gate that's like full like full guard and yeah. you have like the post coming out of the ground and everything and the other gate yeah no you know, yeah he just like drives right through it and Blast through, which uh, Kentaro's not going to be happy about because Kentaro did not want to hand over the keys because uh, he didn't have insurance to cover that. I don't want to have the keys. It's a rental. I don't think anyone else is allowed to drive. <laughs> At least, like, you're your father's son. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, just get in the car and go, uh, Ken. We do not have time for this nonsense. um And so they're kind of talking and, and trying to figure out okay, where should we go? What should we do here? And there's some conversation around okay, we need to find out what Hiroshi knew what information he had and what he was trying to keep from monarch and so admittedly at this point i am still a little or i was anyway a little unclear in terms of where monarch fit into this was was hiroshi a a part of monarch that was hiding things from the people was he a part of monarch and hiding things from monarch was he not a part of monarch and was like um you know opposed to some of the stuff they were doing I, I don't think that we really knew, and I would maybe argue that we still fully don't at this point. I think there's some stuff to be uncovered here, but they're trying to get the information, um, and uh, May has it all digitized, and it's on whatever, and, and and that'll certainly be be a part of this, but we know we're going to Alaska because that's where the trail went cold. That's where we were last told. When went, went cold literally, if you remember. it was very cold. Um that's the, <laughs> that's when we lost the trail. And we gotta we gotta pick back up there. And so we are going to we're going to Alaska Todd. That's that's where we're headed. Um it's very, very exciting. Um very exciting. I love this. I love I love everything about this travel and I I'm really loving this group. And I, I agree with you that the threesome of the past is more interesting in terms of those characters, but I think that when we add Lee into this threesome to make it a foursome,
3: I think it really pops off the screen. I agree that adding Lee to the mix has definitely helped a lot. Uh, I think another thing that I will say that I was enjoying the characters more this episode than the previous episodes, partially because you get to see a moment where Kate and Kentaro do kind of bond a little mm-hmm. bit over remembering their dad, you know, sharpening his pencils, leaving the pencil shavings all over the place, think he did in both of his homes. You got to see them talk a little bit to Lee about their dad. And so you got to see Kate loosen up a little bit. She's been just so... Tightly wound in the free street episodes, understandably so, but doesn't always make for an entertaining character to watch. Uh yeah. So so seeing her like just like a brief moment, even if it's just like her laughing her head off because she nearly died. Uh, just seeing that like more emotion than just anger or snark from her was refreshing. Uh Kentaro continues to kind of make me just shake my head at him, <laughs> like, my dude, make up your mind, like you know. Like He goes back and forth whether his dad's a hero or a villain. And it's basically like whenever he wants to say his dad is a villain, he is. Whenever anyone else is thinking about his dad, it's like, oh, wait a second, you can't say that about my dad. Which is, you know, understandable to a certain degree, but it's also kind of annoying after a time. Uh, but I like the fact that he and Kay actually have these moments of actually seeming to get along a couple of times this episode. I'm hoping that be- continues to develop because that... Starts is starting to get old for me. Him just like being constantly just snapping at her for just existing whenever it's not her fault, man.
1: So, yeah, certainly not her fault, but I do think that like her existence is just a reminder of the conflict with his dad. And I think that that will probably only be exacerbated when they ultimately find find the dad, maybe if we end up finding Hiroshi, which I'm even more and more confident every single episode that we will, like, I don't know how we don't at this point. Um, But our way to Alaska is really over the river and through the woods. And we're going to start by a giant river, um <laughs> kind of <laughs> more of an ocean. We're getting on a freighter. We're going on like a big ferry situation. We drive our little rental van, which by the way, I know we were worried about the rental van insurance. How are they getting the rental van? Like, where's the drop off for that in another country? There's no way. There's no way they allow this, Todd. I've rented cars multiple times. You have to be so specific about where you're going to drop it off and when you're going to drop it off. And if you don't follow that, you're, I mean, you're screwed. You are, you're paying so much money.
3: Yeah. Kentaro's never getting his deposit back. He's going to mm-hmm. chill out way too much for this. Uh, Sorry. Sorry, Kentaro. I hope uh, he
1: paid cash. Cause if there is a credit card connected to this, it's you're done. Like it's over. You're paying, you're paying for the car. Like that. You're, I'm sorry, Kentaro. That's really, That's a tough situation. We're getting on this freighter and time. We get a little bit of a uh, little bit of mystery here as may is making a phone call and it's like, I'm I'm going to be there soon. I don't know. I don't know the details. I can't tell you more. I don't I can't. I really can't even be sharing this information with you, but I might be there soon. We'll see. And then throws the phone off. And, and uh, what I mean, what did we make of this? Are we interested in this? Is, is this an ex lover? Is this a parent? Is this a who is this? Is, is May a secret
3: double agent? Like, what's the situation? I mean, we already saw last episode that she has fake passports. She is on the run from something. So my my initial thought was the person she's calling was like a family member. That was like my initial thought. Is she's calling a family member. It could be like a, an ex a lover, could be like an ex-partner as well, but definitely felt like someone that uh she is like connected to emotionally. So I feel like she probably is on her being kind of a little bit of a hacker. I could see it being her running afoul of the law in the States and running away to another country and getting a new identity. And now they're coming back to Alaska. There's a possibility she'll be actually be back, you know, in North America at least. And so she might be able to make it back to wherever she's from. And so she's letting them know, but yeah, she's like looking at the phone, like looking at the times saying, okay, I've been on the phone for like this long. I got to end the call and throw the phone away. So I can't get uh, traced. And then Kentaro shows up. is like, so that's bad for the environment. <laughs> it's like, you know, instead of just going, what's that about? He's like, trying to like joke his way into it a little bit. And she's having none of it. Yeah. He's
1: trying to like, not be super confrontational or like aggressive. And I, yeah okay, I really think that Kentaro is working for me a lot more than he is for you. Um, because I i mean, I kind of like this. I thought it was fun. I'm just like, that's not good for the environment. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's, uh, I, you know, not, not trying to like push too hard. There is Kentaro, but um, we don't get anything else from her basically the rest of this episode in terms of this mystery or this secret at all, um, which, uh, you know, I'm okay with a little bit of a slow burn in terms of the May of it all, especially because she isn't, you know, biologically related to any of our you know main other characters hopefully maybe do we think there's a chance that she's related to somebody like is there a twist here coming that i'm just not seeing what's uh, her last name do we know do we know is it random all
3: right know? so the show barely gives us first names of characters that's, that's true to be honest. Yeah. uh so the, to get a full last name i don't think we've gotten one if we did it was like very very brief now i don't see her being related to anybody but you never know. Yeah.
1: I mean really it, it, it you know it could be anything here. Okay, so we're on the ferry. We get off the ferry. Also Kate has kind of a little like moment here of just like freaking out about it. whatever. We're off the ferry. We're now in South Korea. Okay. Um so you know we 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 did the situation and Lee has a friend, a connection here that he's you know trying to get us into safety, trying to get us away that we're you know we're going to Alaska. Um and they have to go through customs this looks like a very dingy customs situation um i like i was a little concerned for this customs uh this customs place and and initially it seems like oh my gosh we're gonna get found out they get pulled outside everything's gonna go wrong lee gets you know uh, not stabbed he gets you know kind of punched in the gut with one of the the big guns from one of the people and then it turns out of course the same person who you know was was poking at lee um Hits the other guard, shoves him in the van and is like, ha ha ha. My old friend, we did it. Congrats to us here. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And Lee's like, never doubt. You should have, should have had more faith.
0: Little, uh little cute
1: for me, Todd. I'm not going to lie to you. This was a little, this a little, I mean, I liked it, but uh, I don't know that we needed to go through this whole, you know, scripted rig role here. Like this felt like a lot, like, oh, let's really, let's really sell this up. Let's really make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're putting on a show for the other guards.
3: Uh, I don't. Know, it worked for me. It worked for me as a way to show that Lee is definitely you know knows what he's doing in this world because uh, one thing that we didn't uh, talk about is on the freighter, Kantaro is basically like, why should we listen to you? You don't know what you're doing and kind of like stands up to Lee and Lee's like, well, oh, yep, you're right. You know, it's your dad's data, so what do you want us to do? <laughs> and Kantaro's like, uh, 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 you know, very much. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to do, but I just don't think you know what you're doing either and this is a way for them to kind of show yeah lee has a contact and yeah they're having to go through this all rigmarole but it's the way to to get through and at first like it seems like lee is flying by the seat of his pants they get there but it's obviously all you know part of the setup to be able to get them out so i think it works fairly well for me as a way to show yeah lee you know he's he's not just some guy who's just driving the van through through walls you know you see someone who actually has some of the espionage stuff and knows a little bit about what's going on here and will be a valuable you know asset to them so it worked for me
1: just to be clear he is driving a van through walls like yeah not just just the guy (laughs) yeah we are we are doing that i've always wanted to just drive a car through a wall just to just to see i mean i'm not just to be clear i'm not going to so it's still fine to get in the car with me i'm just saying at one point it'd be it'd be cool too you know um just like bust in there and and see what's going on anyway um we're about to be uh we're about to be on quite a quite a trip here is uh the, the friend of Lee has this airplane that we are going to be flying on and um it does not look like um it, it does not look like a Boeing 737 we are not i would not want to be going internationally or even to uh, the next town over, in this kind of airplane, this this is like every single time that I've ever flown Frontier or Spirit to Vegas. That is literally what this plane looks like, except somehow smaller. Um, and it's tough. Uh, I don't think I'd be getting on getting on this flight, Todd. I I, I would. I
3: don't know. I would just hoof it. I mean, if I were you, with your luck with air travel, I wouldn't get oh, yeah. on this phone either. <laughs>
1: this plane's going down, like a hundred percent. This plane is going down. If I'm getting on it, without question, I have some of the worst airplane luck I, ever. Like I, it's I've just never have had like good experiences. I don't understand how they always uh, always rack up. Um, let's go back to Japan for just a second because we are going to get a little bit of intra-monarch drama here um without without like a ton of context or a follow-up we're just gonna have like this one scene and then we're gonna basically forget that it happens this episode um and that one scene we're back with tim um and and the woman whose name i still don't know i don't know if they told
3: us it's a uh, duval which i duval. only know okay. thanks to imdb because they still <laughs> have not said the name on the show that i can have uh, been able to pick up
1: Okay, so we're with Tim and Duval, and Tim is uh, kind of getting his hand slapped a little bit here because we have another higher-ranking executive come in, and she's like, Okay, I was supposed to be moving my daughter into college. You freaking idiots, how dare you! And then she starts talking French with Duval and is like, Hey, um, did he tell you what was actually going on here? Did he like did he tell you the truth? And um, this this is such a weird scene here. Like, uh, because she's obviously in charge. It doesn't seem like anyone gets in trouble. But like, we we move forward of just like, okay, fix this, figure it out. Like, get you know, get going. And then you know, Duval's like, well, I need my partner. And then you know, we ultimately kind of like, it's not even resolution. This was such a weird scene time, and we didn't even have a lot of follow up after this. This was just kind of an out there. Maybe let's set up some more Monarch drama going forward.
3: I mean, it's touching base with the characters that we left off. It's setting up them like knowing how they know where Lee was last seen and saying up them to, to follow his trail. It gives us a little bit more information about the fact that yeah, Tim is definitely running this off books. Uh, and the fact that Tim knows Lee and has connections with Lee. And it sets up the fact that Tim has his own agenda because what the, mm-hmm. the hierarchy person says, uh, and I think this is probably Verdugo who we heard about before and a, uh, things supposed to go up to her, even though they don't call her by name here, but I'm assuming it's Verdugo. Uh, she asked him, is this about our mission or yours? Um, and you know, he's, uh, Tim, it's like he is really, you know, uh, passionate about going and getting these files from, from old random files. And her response is, we don't need 40-year-old build notes and crackpot theories. They're not going to prevent another G-Day. So she's very focused on the present. He feels like this information could be helpful. She disagrees. And the fact that she refers to random stuff as crackpot theories is really interesting to me. Because she just feels like she is. And one of the things that Lee has said is that, you know, Monarch isn't so much boots on the ground anymore as it used to be. Now it's all about, like, data crunching. It's all about getting the data. So she feels like someone who is... Much more in that data crunching area of things and is like looking at facts, 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 and doesn't want to hear these crazy crackpot theories about the giant monsters who eat radiation and appear to teleport all over the place. I don't need your crazy theories about those things, even though they are crazy, that <laughs> their crazy theories come to life. Uh, and so she's about ready to send Tim back packing back. So you say no one gets punished, but Tim was about to be sent with his tail between his legs until Duval sticks up and says, I need him. No one else knows as much about what might be on those drives and what Lee might be going for. Crazy knows crazy. So yeah, it's like a, a one-off scene, a really short scene that we don't get any more resolution t- from in this episode, but I do think that it is important to, Continue that story. We're seeing a little bit from Tim and Monarch in the first episode. That was a real throwaway scene, but it set up the plot for them. And then we got a love and last episode, but this is just like keep on your radar. Let them know hey, we got facial recognition ping in Korea. We're heading there now. And we need Tim. So it gives you a little bit more about the inner office, you know, politics and give you a little bit more hints that Tim knows more than he's letting on or has like some ulterior motives that we're not aware of, and that coupled with the stuff that Lee had said about Monarch not really living up to the ideals that they had founded is Tim maybe closer to the ideals of the original Monarch than the current Monarch and he's actually not a bad guy he's just doing things in a really stupid bad way Um, yeah, I, I thought this was a, uh, I didn't think this was like a throwaway scene I thought this scene actually, you know helped anchor a little bit what's going on with Monarch for me
1: well, I I love to hear uh, getting that out of it. I, I definitely uh, was not connecting with this, and and definitely felt like it was sort of a distraction from our our you know sort of main story here because we're on this plane, we're on this like shoddy ratty plane um and you know we're, we're, we're trying to get to Alaska we're trying to get where we need to go there's some potentially interesting conversation here uh you know Lee is talking with Cade and the, the difference between secrets and lies which of course is the episode title we we referred to that a little bit earlier in this podcast um I, again as much as I say that the present storyline is like working for me I thought this was admittedly kind of a kind of weak conversation between them. Um And, you know, just a, sort of a question of semantics. I get the wanting to know more about, you know, her, her dad and the situation there. And like what, you know, what the difference between secrets and lies, I guess. And obviously, as you alluded to earlier, we're going to kind of connect this to stuff that happened in that past storyline, which I think that is much more interesting to me than the conversation that happens here, despite it being kind of, of a very similar nature Um, but we're on this plane and we're trying to, you know, get to, get to Alaska, figure out what's going on, figure out where Hiroshi is. And we, we have some instrument malfunction or like we, we experienced some major turbulence. So it was like every other flight that I've ever been on where something bad happened, something went wrong here. Um, and we're like, okay, we're here. We must be here. Um, and and we bring this thing in for a very bumpy landing. Todd, I don't think I would be able to do uh, act uh, this well under pressure because Lee takes control and is like, "I got this. I'm the best. I'm the best pilot in town. I'm gonna I'm gonna land this puppy." Um, and he, I mean, he does it. He he does it. He does it pretty well in a in a state that it could still theoretically take off again. Um, good for Lee. Good job, Lee. He doesn't know how to press a button to start a car but he can fly this plane, no problem.
3: Yeah. uh, Kudos to Lee. He knows exactly what he's doing here. In fact, like, Duho is the one who's flying the plane for most of this until they reach the location, which, by the way, they found thanks to the files. Like, they got to this location because of the files. Uh, May was able to, like, do some searches for Alaska, longitude, latitude type stuff, and found, like, a page, like a scanned-in page of a notebook of, of Billy's that has all these long- longitude lab news written down and all of them have check marks against them, except for this one. So like, this is like the one spot that he never got a chance to go and check out. And so I said, well, that's must be where Hiroshi has gone to. Uh, but yeah, so they get here and Lee hops in the plane because Duho says that he's the best person he knows to like fly in like dangerous situations, basically.
1: And he does it. He's very good. Uh, we land this plane and it does not take long to find the wreckage of the other plane that had landed here. And we see kind of bits of the bits of the plane all over the place. We're looking around. They see a, a frozen dead body in the plane and they go over and we get the dramatic turning around of like, it's not him. And it's like, okay, of course it's not him. It's episode three. We don't like a duh. there's no way this was ever going to be him, but whatever. Yeah. Going Why three. don't
3: the characters know it's episode three? Why, Why? don't the characters know? It's I mean, come three? on characters. They
1: should realize this freaking Kentaro. Come on. You should know that this is episode three. Um, we go over. It's not him. He's not the dead body. And then we find like a little, uh, little camp tent situation. My worst nightmare. And um, there's some stuff set up. So it was very clear that like someone had been in here. Um, and Duho is uh, over by the other plane. I'm just like you know looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. And then they do have this really, really cool shot where we are watching Duho through the plane, and we kind of, we kind of pan back a little bit, and we see scratch marks or claw marks. And it's like, ooh, something else is going on here. And Duho's like, wee woo, wee woo, gotta go. Time is up. We do not have time to just hang around here. Gotta go. Runs back to the plane. Starts the starts the plane. He basically just presses the start button. I don't I don't know how to I don't I don't know how to fly a plane. I think it takes longer than what he did. It's fine, whatever. He starts this plane. He begins to go. And then we have another Titan admittedly not as big as some of the some of the other ones we did we did get a little bit of Godzilla in the past storyline so you know not, not quite as big that being said this is the coolest one I've seen <laughs> I loved this guy um maybe the mouth had a little bit to be desired in terms of some of the tentacles that were like you know flopping around there but he freaking like Breathes ice or s- makes it so cold that everything begins to like freeze up, including Duho. He freezes like a popsicle inside this plane, and that is where our episode ends. Um, Obviously, we haven't talked about the past yet, but that is the climax of this episode. Is this creature coming out from under the ice? You know, the kind of going toe to toe with this plane, and then freezing Duho inside of the plane while everyone stands there and watches Todd. They're screwed. How do they get out of this? They're done.
3: Yeah. uh, I would say this is a much better ending than the ending of the previous episode for me. Even though it kind of ends the same way with the Titan kind of standing over the wreckage of something it just destroyed and screaming, there is so much more danger in this scene, in the last episode, because the last episode, they're already safe and hidden, and you know that Trio's going to go on to other stuff. So yeah, but here, like, you don't know. I mean, this is a reason why Hiroshi hasn't been seen or heard of because his plane got destroyed by this Titan. And now he's, you know, set up camp here. And apparently he's, been surviving i guess Though we still don't know where he is but he survived long enough to put up a camp and sh- sharpen his pencil down to a nub so the kids realize oh yeah our dad has actually been here which never see actually see them hug each other which was a nice little moment there uh before duho notices everything and realizes that they're uh in trouble yeah i don't i don't know how they're getting out of this i don't know uh what's gonna enable them to escape because the plane is Gonzo, Uh, the plane is destroyed. They might be able to uh, avoid this Titan thing for a while, but I don't know. So, did you just like the Titan because it did cold damage? Is that
1: hundred (laughs) percent? I thought I thought it was very very cool, and I also did like the visual of like the breathing of cold onto the plane, and like the way that it kind of like froze from the outside in, and like sort of you know uh, like cracked in there. I did. I did really like that. I'm a sucker for like ice and cold stuff. I really am.
3: Yeah, uh, one of uh, Adam's D and D characters in the campaign that we play with together is like uh, a sorcerer who does cold damage. That's his like big, big thing. So as soon as it started doing the, the cold breath, I'm like, yeah, Adam's Adam's gonna love this Titan. And yeah, I was really cool into that. it's cool to see a Titan who does something other than breathe, like radiation or fire. Uh, It's always cool to see Titans that have slightly different abilities. You don't see it a whole lot. Like Mothra has so many abilities. Mothra can do so many things in in the films. Mothra's like this spiritual healer type Titan. So it's always cool to see Titans come in with like different abilities, not just your usual power sets. So I thought it was really cool. Like I said, I think the design is really cool. It's kind of like a, almost like a star mole type thing in a lot of ways, a, uh, with the way that it's uh, mouth and everything is designed, but a little bit mixed in between that, like a Demi gorgon's style yeah. thing, you know, uh but yeah, I thought it was like a really cool design. I really like this Titan. I'm really excited to see what happens with it in the next episode. When we pick it back up with the group.
1: And I do like the concept here because because it's in this present storyline, we're not I don't think we're going to time jump away from this. We're not just going to hand wave how they get out of this. Like we're going to see some kind of resolution. My guess is that Hiroshi is going to show up at some capacity and and help them and, you know, scare the thing away or distract it or um, something along those lines. And maybe it's not exactly Hiroshi. Maybe it's like something that Hiroshi set up to. I, I don't know. Cause I maybe seeing him in episode four would be too soon, but like, I, there has to be some connection here of like how they get away and the fact that Hiroshi is alive right here. Because like, it should be, it should be noted. This ice Titan appeared basically right by the camp that was set up. Like it was, it was, it was right there. Like eyesight, it's not that far away. So whoever has been staying here has been very close to this Titan. So we'll see. I don't know if you have any theories for, for how they're going to get out of this or, or what's going to happen there. But I, presumably that's what we're going to pick up next episode.
3: Yeah. I mean, basically like you said, I figure Hiroshi is going to show up and he's been surviving here for a while with this Titan around and the Titans seem to be mainly focused on the airplane. So it's like mm-hmm. for, there's something about the technology that drew it, even though it's not radioactive, but there's just something about the planes that was, was drawing it. Uh, I am curious if it would have come if Duho hadn't started it up, because maybe it's like the engine noise that attracted it. And maybe if Duho hadn't freaked out and tried to start it up, maybe it wouldn't have tried to attack the plane. Maybe he uh, kind of doomed himself there a little bit. I just think of things like Tremors and some Mm -hmm. of those movies where you have the giant things of underground that live. That hunt by vibration, the sandworms and dune, the same sort of thing. So it feels like maybe by turning the play on, maybe Ho trying to save them, actually doomed them. Uh, maybe not, but that's like my initial thought of why the thing was so intent on going after the plane suddenly.
1: Yeah, that could be interesting. And we did see like the scratch on the plane that was there previously, the plane that's sort of in the wreckage uh, when they arrive. So um, I'm interested to see what 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 happens there. I'm I'm excited to continue this present storyline.
3: Yeah. Uh, before we move away from the present, there is like one little kind of throw a couple of throwaway lines. I really want to like just mention because I, uh, it's something I'd actually had thought about before watching the episode. About okay, so we see Lee back in the 1950s, and now we see Lee in 2015. And Lee's looking really good for it to be the age that he would have to be. And a uh, never they ask him, so like, when did Monarch get founded? He tells them, and May's like, uh, wouldn't you be like 90? He's like, oh yeah, good jeans, I guess, and just kind of like blows past it. So it's almost like, like a little bit of a lampshade thing. But then, whenever he meets Duho, Duho uh, is like, "Oh, brother, you look younger every time I see you," which again could just be a little bit of you know hyperbole and like saying, "Oh, you look good for your age," whatever. But I feel like there might be something in here about why uh, he actually is looking as young and as spry as he is, because yeah, you know, Kurt Russell does not look like he's ninety years old. <laughs> you know, he no. does not look like he's someone who. Uh, you no, know, Nestle would have been the age he was at that point in time, I don't think. So I, I don't know if there really is anything to that, but I just wanted to put a pin in that. Because it might be nothing. It might be just some, like, hanging a lampshade on it. I just thought it was interesting. They had, like, two different comments in the span of an episode about him looking younger than you might think he looked.
1: Do you think there's a chance that, like, this is the past Lee Shaw's son, Lee the second? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is there, is there a chance that it's not actually a one-to-one Lee huh? No,
3: no, okay. I don't think so. I don't think there's any anything because uh, Hiroshi is definitely, you know, Bill and uh, Kay's kid. And he says that, you know, Hiroshi was like a son to him. And, you know, Lee did not have any kids at the time that Hiroshi was born. So I don't really see anything like that uh, happening.
1: I do. uh, Gosh. Okay. And obviously we're not going to see any of the other two members of the past trio in the present in any capacity. There's no like just based on the time. There's no way that that could happen because we know they're both dead at this point. Both like, well, I guess, I mean, more or less actively confirmed dead at the 2015 timeline. So, who knows? Uh it could be interesting. I I do think that they aged up Kurt Russell probably as much as they like reasonably could without it being, you know, too much. Um but yeah, he's an he's an old guy. Um okay, well speaking of old, uh let's go back into the past. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break and then we're going to go back all the way to 1954. We'll be right back.
0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Okay. We're back, Todd, and we are looking to get some funding. We get to the Monarch Trio. So we're back in the past with our past storyline, our past characters. Forget the present. It's done. It's dead. Forget it. We're back in the past. Our Monarch Trio was going to the military uh, to get our funding. And, of course, we know um, that Monarch is ultimately going to be getting a lot of funding at some point. We don't really know exactly what that timeline looks like or, or sort of how the logistics happen there. But we know that Monarch is going to be well-funded in the future for all of their many outposts and pieces of technology and employees and all kinds of stuff is going to happen. But how does that happen? Well, here we go. Because we're going to the military request funding, and we're like, okay, we're going to bring in some head honchos. I loved a lot of the visuals of this, of the three of them kind of standing out, and, and Lee is in his full uh, uniform, and, and we kind of have a little bit of a back and forth with that military officer who we did see previously, just like, hey, um, we need some funding more specifically we need some bomb material some uh plutonium or or some uranium uranium. 150
3: pounds of uranium
1: that feels like a lot i know nothing about science just full stop i don't think about science at all that feels like a lot of uranium um and they say that's like that's more than we dropped on japan and of course i'm over here like um, we've talked about some of the origins of Godzilla and this like entire universe, and we're like really getting into it, especially because of like the Japanese influence on this show. And like, how much of this show is in Japanese? I mean, there's a good chunk that I, like we have to have subtitles on just to you know be able to understand it for those who only speak English. Um, and so they need a lot of uh uranium here, and um, the, the reason is they're trying to draw out something that made the footprint the big footprint and then so they go inside and they kind of have this little show and tell moment of like this is what we found and Todd what a freaking cool visual here to have this massive footprint that they excavated from um uh, from the ground before the before the monsoons kind of wiped it away and i i really do love uh this this military leader's reaction of just like how did we not see the thing that left that footprint and i'm initially i'm just like oh my god there are crazy crews out there but then i'm like how did how 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 is this thing just walking around and we don't see it i think it's a very valid question very valid
3: yeah i mean billy's leaning towards teleportation that's what he's leaning <laughs> towards as the as the answer which gets like a big like shut up look from from lee uh i mean that's the thing that comes up, it comes up quite a bit in the monsterverse movies about in the. The the big thing is like, oh, they traveling through the hollow earth. That's how like the monsters, you know, pop up and then disappear and pop up and disappear. So they're not always somewhere where we can see them. They're traveling in the hollow earth. And that's kind of the idea of why we don't see these gigantic monsters all the time. So it's kind of like the in-universe reason it, But it's, it's a very valid question because Godzilla is not small. Like this is mm-hmm. one of, one of if not the, I can't remember exactly, but I believe this is the largest version of Godzilla out of all the iterations of Godzilla over the years. This is much larger than most of the other versions.
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, obviously like we're going to see Godzilla here again and, and he's massive. Um, and so we're trying to lure out these creatures because they pose an existential threat to humanity correct that's just an accurate (laughs) that's an accurate representation of these titans they are very dangerous and there's no way to control them we need to know what's out there and so um okay they they agree they 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 kind of have this agreement It's like okay well uh we'll do it we'll work together we'll see what's going on and and we'll get to the bottom of this and we'll, we'll we'll help there's an agreement here between monarch who had previously been completely independent and the military has the firepower who has the this massive amount of uranium as we know and um i i did love when they're um talking about like oh what would ike want and would ike support this and they're you know going t- don't know these presents do you know much about uh uh, uh ike are you a big ike guy
3: I'm not a big Ike guy i'm aware of ike uh, i'm not a, i'm not a big history buff in general okay uh so uh, and, sorry that's president eisenhower to you uh, <laughs> i like that like a hey, whenever lee says what would ike want and the general's very much like president eisenhower <laughs> it's like you know don't call him ike you know he that's our commander in chief you know uh so i thought that was like a, a, a fun little exchange between the two of them uh so yeah i don't know a lot about but i do think that this is very much you know this is no beginning of Cold War era stuff, and so there's very much like I, the whole thing in the previous episode was nearly really first about radiation that they're tracking down. They thought like, well, that's this isn't where the Soviets would be testing their their H bombs, and so there's definitely that is a big aspect of it as well. Is okay, they have they already have an enemy on one front in their minds with the the Soviet Union, and now suddenly so have this now existential threat to global security and they want to nip it in the bud
1: yeah and i mean uh you know very fair here that they're that they're trying to do that um though the way in which this plan is executed is not agreed upon by everyone because we we fast forward just a little bit and we are going to um we're going to this beach what they did which they did dame i don't know where this is bikini a- a-
3: atoll atoll i don't bikini know bikini a- atoll it's it's a real place where the real h bomb tests
1: okay bikini atoll pop off um and we have the uranium. It was delivered. The military held up on that, and except it it's in the form of a bomb, and they're trying to kill—they're trying to kill the creature when they lure it out. And so, obviously, this is this is going to be Godzilla as we are as we are going to get here. But there is some disagreement here on should we say something. And Lee is like, "I can handle this. Let me handle this. Don't even worry about it." i've got this under control and he goes over and he he confronts the general and he's like well you asked for the u.s army to be a partner in this this is what it looks like when the u.s army is a partner in these types of things and so um we are luring godzilla out of course with the with, with all the bomb material with the uranium whatever and godzilla approaches i love this welcome to monarch legacy of monsters godzilla um, great to have you. Love this. The spikes on the back look really cool in this show. Sometimes they don't look really cool. Looking at you, the 2014 movie. Uh, the first time you see Godzilla in this verse, not as cool as what they look like right now. I, I have a couple questions in terms of like how they can change the design of the spikes on the back. But like sometimes it's in like a cross kind of diagonal pattern, and then sometimes it's just like rando spikies. Anyway. Godzilla appear, appears, comes out from the water, and then the bomb explodes. And you know, presumably, according to what they thought they saw, they were successful. They killed. They killed Godzilla. Congrats to them. Um, my favorite visual of this were all of the beach chairs that they had set <laughs> up, and everyone was just sitting down casually, like they were watching a movie. Um, and instead it's just a giant bomb. And I guess, Todd, my question to you, um, was this Oppenheimer?
3: <laughs> no,
1: no. Okay. I, I didn't see it. I just kind of assumed that that's
3: what this was. Was everyone kind of sitting around
1: watching the giant explosion?
3: I mean, it's very similar to a scene in Oppenheimer. <laughs> but Oppenheimer you know, took place quite a bit earlier than this, but it is very, uh, similar, uh, in, in this. That of them all sitting there, or watching it. And also of note is the bomb. You see, like they've drawn a picture of Godzilla with the big like red line through it, and that's an image that we saw in the 2014 Godzilla film. Whenever we see like footage of like the the, the beginning montage with like the the news clippings and the little news type stuff, you actually see a photo of that bomb. So this is very much referencing the 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 bombing because they referenced the bombing in godzilla 2014 but i like, thought it was a nice touch to actually see the guy actually drawing it on the bomb at that mm-hmm. moment
1: yeah and you know Kay tries her best to stop it by running over to like a satellite dish and presumably like wanting to interfere with whatever signal was going on to to set it off and 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 lee stops her i don't know how she was going to really stop it in the first place but whatever like uh you know she tries to and then you know lee ultimately stops her probably for the best because i really think that she probably would have been killed maybe at at worst and at, at best imprisoned forever <laughs> like yeah this was not going to go well for her
3: yeah i mean they've already made references so after this you no know, she's still upset and billy's like hey you would have been arrested deported and the the bumps would have gone off so lee did what he had to do but even earlier or maybe at, at some point in this, they're talking about like leaking the information about this, hmm. about, oh, I guess it's, it's the scene after this is like Billy's like one to, to leak the information about what happened. And uh, Lee is like, you know, they electrocuted people who leaked secrets, you know, they, people who leaked state secrets, government secrets, confidential secrets have gotten the electric chair. They've gotten the death penalty. So this is the time frame that we're living in where if you are against the idea of national security, you're uh, disposable. Uh, so, and with her being a uh, not, you know, her being a foreign national woman, uh, she's probably even less disposable to the, the gun-toting Neanderthals, as Billy refers to them earlier. So, yeah, definitely a good thing that Lee stopped her from trying to do anything foolish, because it, it wouldn't have worked. She would have, like, delayed the bombing for, like, a few minutes, but that would have been it, and things would have turned out really poorly for her
1: yeah and we see them kind of you know discussing the situation afterwards. They're back in that warehouse where they have the giant footprint, and Lee comes in and is like well i I asked for funding to see if we could get any more and I submitted my proposal to them. They rejected it, of course, and you know and they're like oh and and he does this little sly dramatic turn, and he knows what he's doing. They said I didn't ask for enough. he says, and here we are. A blank check because they saw footage of this giant Titan, this Muto, and are like, man, what if the next one appears in, I don't know, New York or gosh, San Francisco? they don't say San Francisco but in my mind I'm like well uh, you know uh, we'll we'll see where the next one shows up um and they have a blank check to start monarch and to 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 build these outposts they talk about for all this research they're talking about and monarch now has a lot of funding infinite funding theoretically but the question of this episode the ultimate where we get the title from What are they going to share? Because as we're saying before, should they tell the public about this? Should they they warn people that these creatures, these monsters, these titans exist? Or should they keep some stuff secret? Not only from the people, but from the very government that is funding them. And Lee is like, well, I'll tell them everything I know. I don't want to keep secrets, but I will trust that you will tell me everything I need to know. Wink, wink, nod, nod. We know what's going on here. Obviously, they're just not going to reveal everything they know to Lee. And Lee is only going to communicate what they tell him to the government, if that, potentially less. And it feels very fitting to me that that is the origin of Monarch. uh, Because who knows who's going to tell what to who. There's going to be secret files all over the place. We're going to be hiding files in safes. We're going to be having secret double lives. Um, All these secrets and lies, Todd. But... The origin of Monarch, where they're getting all their money from, where they're getting their funding from, was at the pitch of Lee, who was like, hey, what if there's more of these? And what if they attack major cities? That is not good. And good old Ike is like, that's correct. We That would be really bad. Here's infinite money. Have fun.
3: Yeah. Uh, one thing I think is interesting in this is it's Kay who puts forth the whole uh, secret idea out there because at first they're like do we have she's like do we have to tell the general what we find and at least like do you want me to lie to my superior officer it's like I it wouldn't be a lie so much as a secret Lee's response is not sure the court martial tribunal will see that distinction which i think is really interesting because in the present it's lee who's the one who's making that distinction and championing that distinction to kate because he says you no know, Hero never lied to me and she laughed. Like, those are secrets, is a difference. She's like, Well, that's a, a distinction without a difference. He's like, I, I disagree. I think you know, for me, there is a big difference. But at this point in time, he didn't quite see the distinction. And so, like, it's through Kay and Billy and work with Monarch that kind of changed Billy, uh, changed sorry, Lee's mind on everything. Like, the Lee that we see now is someone who's kind of anti-authoritarian. And whereas, like, the past Lee is very much following orders, trying, even though he's like trying to push back against the military stuff, like, he tries his best to get the general to change his mind about the bomb and about everything. And, but the general is basically like, do you see how many stars I have? Like, you know, two. Do you know, that means, yeah, you've got to have a three star and four star and above to be able to get anything. And the general's like, you know, this is bigger than all of us right now. But Lee, In the past, there's still someone who is following the chain of command who is still very much, you know, the military man. Whereas in the present day, he is like rebelling against the organization because he feels it doesn't uphold the same ideals that he once had. And now he does believe in the idea of like there being a difference between lying straight out to someone and withholding information for their own protection, for their own good as you see it. So I thought it was really interesting to see that this old version of Lee is different from the current version of Lee in that respect.
1: Well, we see some of that metamorphosis right at the end of the episode, where I was or saying before, it was like, well, you tell me what I need to know. And it's like, you know, very uh, wink, wink, nod, nod. Of course, everyone kind of understands what's going on here. But... Um, the other thing that I'll say about this past storyline, I liked this better than the 1952 stuff. I thought this was this was more interesting now that they're kind of established as a trio. That, to me, is like the, the, the good stuff of the past storyline. And, you know, at least like what's working for me is I love the three of them all together when they're established. I, it was kind of interesting seeing them, you know, created and discovering each other and meeting each other last time. I think this was just this was just better it was a more established relationship and i enjoyed it more um that being said we're still sort of playing in this in-between time period so 50, 1952 was where we were last episode um and then uh 1959 i think or, or something along those lines um later than 54 which is where we are now i'm just saying a lot yeah. of numbers was what's happening we're still in that in-between time i think of of, of seven years and so I think we're going to stay there. I think we're going to keep kind of bopping around between that time of like, now that Monarch has money and funding, what are they going to do with it? Um, we know that eventually we're going to be getting outposts and research and all all kinds of stuff. How do we get there? And And we sort of had a snapshot of that in that first episode. But even that, I would say, was not very like, Established in terms of like a big monarch presence, um, but I don't know. I don't know where we'll see going going back in the past. I, I this was the this was the past scene that I enjoyed the most, though. I did. I, I definitely did enjoy this, but we'll see where we go. Do you have any predictions for the past stuff or, or
3: things you think we're going to see here? Um, I think the thing that we'll see is, like I said, kind of them, like setting up the outposts and. Again, the my big question that I had going into this is, in by the time we see Kong Skull Island, like no one believes them that there are titans out there. Like their funding's about to get cut because they haven't been able to prove anything to the current administration's liking. So we know that at this point in time, in you no know, 1954, the president is all on board and they have evidence of Godzilla and everything. But by the 70s, a uh, Nixon isn't quite as on board with all of this. And I'd be curious to see like, th- if we see how much of the rise and fall of Monarch we see, are we going to see like them? Yeah. Establishing all these stations as they find all these uh, old remnants of Titans. It's one of the things that we see in King of Monsters and even in Godzilla 2014 is like the, the muto eggs they find, you know, they find these fossilized things that they're studying them but there's no evidence they're active or can become active Uh, same thing with like they find you know we see like the mothra larva cocoon and everything like that and monster zero frozen so i wonder if we're going to see like some of the discoveries of some of those things maybe some of the expeditions that locate the frozen monster zero or stuff like that or are we going to get some more new Titans? But if we do get new Titans, my big question is, like, what happens to them? Why why do we see them in the past, but then we don't really see them by the time, you know, Kong Skull Island rolls around? What's happened between 1954 and 1970, well, well whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what happens in that, that 20-year span that monarch has been, you know, basically wearing away the good graces of the government support? and yeah. i'm kind of curious to see if they address that at all or if they just kind of hand wave it away uh i don't know how they're going to do it i have faith that with the uh, matt fraction being one of the executive producers i think i just found out after the first couple of episodes uh, he's uh one of my favorite comic book writers i have a lot of faith in him as someone who's steering the ship to like address that kind of like minutiae so i'm hoping that they will address that type of thing but that's kind of where my head is at right now about well, I think we will see like a little, little bit of the rise and a little bit of the fall and maybe also a little bit of the slow change in Monarch. And I have to wonder if the change in Monarch to what we have now today happened after Billy's death, after Billy dies on Kong Skull Island. You know, is that when Monarch really starts to take a turn because he's no longer the person... Running everything, and they have someone new in charge who is now much more in the clandestine mindset. Whereas Billy is someone who is all about keeping your mind open to possibilities. That's like the thing that he says in this episode whenever Lee is getting onto him about, you know, maybe don't open with teleportation. You know, read the room a little bit. They're like, no, like these are no wonders of nature and science, and we have to have an open mind. You know, I'm not going to bite my tongue just. Forced a bunch of gun-toting Neanderthals, uh, and which I also like. Then uh, after that, Kay has to apologize to Billy, kind of sort of, but just like you know, we wouldn't be alive if it weren't for you. And, and Lee's like, so you're saying there is a place for gun-toting Neanderthals? Good to know. Good to know. Which again is like a nice, a uh, a, a nice call out to like the, like the chemistry of these these three friends that they have built over the over the years there. But that's kind of what I am thinking of, like what we'll be seeing from, from Monarch. Monica's kind of the rise and fall a little bit and the the change in the organization's uh, ideals and goals.
1: Well, the one thing that I am sure of uh, is that we're not going to see anything for another week. We have to wait a whole nother week for this episode, which is very unfortunate. But regardless, we will be back to talk about episode four. Todd, in the meantime, though, if people want to keep up with you, if people want to follow you,
3: what else are you doing? What are you talking about? Where can people find you? Well, you can find me on most social media platforms at Librarian Todd because Todd Librarian has too many characters. And you can find me most every week over on one indescribable podcast where Adam, TV, Lindy, and I are currently going through a Girls 5 Eva gonna be famous forever yes of course
1: i am adam edge you can find me on twitter panaman adam1 as well as every single week over on one Describe podcast that's one cxg podcast on twitter in the post show recaps we're talking doctor who with kevin and melissa we are into some really really good stuff we just did the uh, pandorica opens in the big bang and then we're taking a little bit of a break to talk about the upcoming specials featuring david Tennant and Catherine tate as well as neil patrick harris very excited for all of these specials coming out this year I'm also talking about Final Fantasy IX with the uh, talented Brooklyn Zed. We are uh, having a great time going through all of those wild, wacky adventures, falling in love with Siner, doing a look every single week. We're doing, some, we're doing some really fun stuff over there. But Todd, you and I will be back here next week to talk about episode four of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. But until then.
2: Bye. Ah.